Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. A short Bible study, only about 13 or 14 minutes usually, but every day, seven days a week, keeping us in God's Word and thereby helping us to stay strong and even grow stronger in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. Help somebody in your life grow in their faith, come closer to God, Maybe you can help them even get to heaven by sharing these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. Make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to begin a new line of thought and study today. We're going to talk about three reactions to preaching the gospel. I'm not sure very many people have thought about that, but there are different reactions on the part of different people and different segments of humanity or society. Three reactions to preaching the gospel. <clears throat> now first, let's begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, chapter 1, and verses 21 through 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and let's read verses 21 through 25. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Now that in itself is a challenge for some people. They don't like preaching. There are a whole lot of people, they want God's blessings. They want salvation. They want eternal life. They want God to continue to bless them, shower blessings upon them. They want to be sure that when they die physically, that they'll have a home in heaven but they don't want to go to church services. They don't want to go through it through the, the doors of a church building. They don't want to have to go through that kind of formal religion in their mindset. Well, since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, and I think we can understand the meaning there, the world through its own worldly wisdom, did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. <clears throat> so God in his infinite wisdom, being God, he determined that through the methodology of preaching the gospel, that would be the methodology, the means by which people would be taught how to come to him through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, for forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. Then he goes on and he talks about these responses. He said, for Jews require a sign Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, in other words, those who believe, those who accept the gospel, those who obey the gospel, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, Paul is not suggesting in that last verse, verse 25, that there is any degree of foolishness in God or weakness. God is all-powerful, and God is all-knowing, and he is all-wise. He's simply making comparisons from a human perspective that we can relate to. If we could imagine any degree of foolishness in God, that foolishness would be wiser than the epitome of wisdom, human wisdom. Even in our, in our greatest moment or degree of human wisdom, it would not 
even begin to compare with the slightest bit of foolishness in God. Now, there's no foolishness in God. And when we think about as powerful, as mighty, as strong as we can become, we don't begin to compare with, if we could imagine, a weakness in God with his weakness. His weakness would be far superior to our greatest strength. So Paul's simply using in that last verse, verse 25, some human perspectives or some human lines of of thought that we can relate to. But now let's look at these three responses to the gospel as Paul has laid them out here. Well, first, some think it's, whiz, it's foolishness. Again, they, they, they think, oh, going to church, that, I don't need that. That's old-fashioned. That's out of date. You know, why do I need I can believe in God sitting in a bass boat in the middle of a lake just as well as I can believe in God sitting in a pew in a church building. Well, you can believe in him, but that doesn't mean you're fulfilling your responsibility and his instruction to worship him as he has laid out for us in the scriptures. People, they, they think, well, you know, church, uh, that's, that's boring. They don't read the Bible much, obviously, because the Bible's exciting. Again, it's restrictive. Well, then probably you have got your mindset on wanting to do things that you should not be doing. The Bible simply gives us the guidebook from heaven, from God himself, as to how to live a righteous life. And ultimately an ultimately uh, successful life beyond anything that this world can offer us. So some people think it's foolishness. Some people think it's wisdom from God. Some people, they consider preaching Christ and him crucified. Well, that's a stumbling block because the Jews were not looking for that kind of a savior to end up on a cross. And the idea that he arose from the grave risen, alive, physically? Well, there's some people who say, that's absolute absurdity. That is foolishness. But those who have come to understand the truth of the gospel, who have come to believe it, embrace it, and obey it, it's the power of God, the power of God to salvation. What did the Apostle Paul write in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, let's catch another frame of reference here. When we read in these New Testament letters or in the gospel accounts, when we read that phrase or something akin to it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, that's a frame of reference from the Jewish mindset, because Christ came initially to the Jews. They were the ones who had the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Savior. They were the ones who were supposed to be looking for the Savior to come. And so he came to bring the message of the gospel, the message of Christianity, the transition from Judaism, the Old Testament law of Moses, to New Testament Christianity, to the Jews first. They were the ones who were supposed to be ready. And they were the ones who were supposed to serve as the springboard, so to speak, to spread the gospel to all of humanity everywhere. And in the Jewish mindset, everybody who was not a Jew 
was a Gentile. So when it says to the Jew first and also to the Greek, in the Jewish mindset and a, a lot of the New Testament was written looking at or, or, or understanding that particular mindset, that meant everybody. We, in our cultural thinking today, we think about, we think about nations, we think about nationalities, we think about different races, you know, and on and on and on. In the Jewish mindset, there were only two classifications of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. Everybody who was not a Jew was a Gentile. And so the gospel was supposed to be proclaimed, supposed to be taught, and it is God's message of salvation to the Jew and to the Gentile. In other words, to all of humanity. There is no other Savior other than Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter was speaking of that reality in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 when he said, nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Jesus said exactly the same thing in John 14 and verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now that is the fact of the matter from God himself, because this is God's word. Well, so three reactions to, the, to preaching the gospel. I was shocked some years back to come to understand how few people really understand that word, what it means, gospel. And I'm talking about people who claim to be Christians. If you ask them, what is the gospel of Christ? A whole lot of them, probably the vast majority of them, would find themselves stammering and stuttering or just being utterly silent because they wouldn't know how to answer that. How can someone who believes he's a Christian, who believes in Jesus Christ as our Savior, not know the basic understanding of what the gospel is, the gospel message? The Apostle Paul laid it out for us in very succinct form in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and <clears throat> beginning with verse 1. He said, moreover, brethren, now he's saying, addressing his readers as brethren because he's writing this to the church at Corinth. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also you received and in which you stand and by which also you are saved. Now, just from those, from those connections to the gospel that Paul lays out here, don't you think we ought to know what it is? He goes on and he says, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. And now he begins to lay out the basic message of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, and that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, 
of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. So Paul says, I preach to you the gospel. And that gospel message is what you came to believe and what you obeyed and what you live by, at least what you should live by if you're true Christians today. And it is, he says, I preach to you the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the basic gospel message. And that through Jesus, we can come to forgiveness and salvation as we come to God through Jesus, his way. Now, we'll start to look at this in more depth next time. Three reactions to preaching the gospel, the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son into this world to go to that cross to die as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. And through him, through his message of salvation that he brought to earth from heaven, we can be forgiven and saved and look forward to eternal life. Guide us to understand the gospel and to embrace it and accept it and obey it and live by it. Please, Father, we pray. Forgive us and hear a prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.